Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny. I'm a sugar addict, compulsive eater, atheist, and lesbian feminist. And what I'm about to share is my own story and they are my own opinions and they definitely do not represent OA as a whole. Um, I don't think that there was ever a time in my life that I believed in God. My parents met on a ski trip that was arranged by their Baptist church. I was baptized when I was born I went to church with my family to a community church until I was about five years old, but I don't remember anything about it. Um, But I grew up during the 60s and my parents started investigating alternative spirituality things like they were in meditation groups, they sponsored Tibetan monks, they went to Est. So it was more of an alternative spirituality family, but I was not even interested in that. So I've just never had a belief in God. but my family was sort of like, I guess, secular Christian, where we would have family dinners like for Christmas and for Easter. And both sets of my grandparents would get together with my mom and my dad and my little sister. And what I remember most about those holidays were the treats because I was already a sugar addict from a very young age. So it was all about the candy canes, the Christmas cookies, the chocolate Easter bunnies and the, you know, jelly beans. And my family um, was full of addicts. My dad was an alcoholic and his father was an alcoholic. His mother was a compulsive overeater and probably weighed 200 pounds more than she should. And my other grandmother was also an alcoholic. And so there was just a lot of addiction in our family. And there were also all the women were always going on diets and Weight Watchers was the diet of choice. And when people would see each other, they would say, oh, you look great. It looks like you've lost weight. Or are you putting on a little extra now? I mean, it was just very, you know, critical and aware of everybody's body size all the time. Um, But I didn't really have an issue with my weight when I was a kid. Like I said before, my mother was very um, controlling about, not in a bad way, but there just wasn't sugar in our house. We did not have dessert with our meals. We did not have dessert in our lunches. Um, Once in a while, my mother would buy these like off-brand Oreos because we were always on a budget. And they came in those same kind of packages where it's like three columns and a plastic sleevey thing. And um, you would get the, the cookies and she would only give us like two at a time. So we would climb up at the top of the cabinet and steal them. And if you would take the package and kind of shake it down like this, like all the cookies would move forward in the row. So I, we were trying to like trick our mother into thinking that nobody had taken the cookies, but I'm sure she must've figured that out. Um, and when I had my allowance, I was always like spending, when I had my allowance and I had the opportunity to spend it in a store, it would always be on candy. So I just had that candy thing going on for a, a very long time. Um, I gained a lot of weight when I turned 30, my life, a lot of traumatic events kind of happened for me. The first one was that my mother disowned me because 
my partner and I had decided that we were going to have a child and she didn't feel like it was right for gay people to raise children, that it was unfair to them. So I got kicked out of the family and my, I was like, well, fuck that. I'm still going to, my partner and I are still going to try and have kids. And after my third round of trying to get pregnant, I found out that my partner was cheating on me. So I lost my partner. I lost my home. I lost this idea that I was having a child and I just really sank into a depression. And I um, had been seeing therapists and everything, but sugar was what comforted me. And I just started going to the grocery store all the time and buying all sorts of treats. And I would do that thing where you're at the checkout line talking to the cashier and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm having like all these people over this weekend, you know, because I didn't want to admit that I was eating all that food myself, but I was. And I started gaining weight and I started wearing stretchy pants and really big shirts um, so that I wouldn't even really be noticing what was happening to my body. Cause these things were like one size fits all. Um, so my heart healed after a couple of years and I, could see that I gotten so much bigger. So I went to Weight Watchers my first time. And this kind of started the yo-yo dieting of um, losing the weight. I was really good dieter. I could lose the weight. And then within a few years, I would have gained it all back and then some. And my relationship with sugar at this point had become my comfort item. And so when I got into a new relationship um, and we would have like any little trouble it was like my go-to thing. I would just start eating chocolate or cookies or whatever. So I would gain weight again. And it just, I had this bad addiction to, to sugar. I just couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And I went to like a fat as a feminist issue kind of support group where you're supposed to learn intuitive eating. And I'm thinking like, oh, my intuition says I should eat this whole bag of cookies. That's what it wants to do. You know, it was not helping me at all. And I went to therapy, I took um, Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant that's supposed to help with cravings, that didn't help. So I tried a lot of things in addition to dieting. Um, and I finally kind of reached my bottom when I was in my 50s. I had had a child on my own in the meantime I was between relationships. I was getting older. I really, really wanted a kid. So I did it by myself. But when he was five, I got into a relationship and she lived with us until he was 10 and we broke up and she had threatened to sue me for some custody, which she had absolutely no right to, but I was just so frightened. Um, and I had no money to like hire a lawyer or anything. And I just let her bully me. And I would just was eating more and more and just ballooning, ballooning, ballooning. And I just finally got to this point where I realized that if someone had said to me, you have the choice between your son or um, chocolate, I would choose chocolate. And that realization was just so shocking to me and I would, and embarrassing, but that's how I really felt. I think somebody needs to mute themselves, the person on the phone. Yeah. Um, so that was just this like wake up call to like what a severe addiction I had because I just could not put that chocolate down. I mean, I had a bag of chocolate chips in my drawer at work. I had one in my underwear drawer at home and I would just be like eating them like all the time, sneaking them. I was really embarrassed by it. And my health was really being um, 
compromised and I had high cholesterol. I was not diabetic yet, but getting really close. I had plantar fasciitis. I had a bad back. I had to have my gallbladder taken out, which was, you know, too many fats in my liver thing causing the gallstones, I think. Um, and I just had general lethargy and depression. And um, so I had heard about OA from one of these therapists that I went to, but there was just like, I, I, at the time I'm like, there's just no way I can do this. I had gone to an Al-Anon meeting with my sister. She had had a partner who was an alcoholic and I went to support her. And I was just so turned off by the whole 12 step thing. So I just had that in the back of my mind, but also in the back of my mind, I knew that my father had gone to AA and he was a real cynic and he was able to become sober. So I just decided, all right, maybe I'll try this out. And I um, had looked up where the meetings were and I was still not sure I was gonna do it, but then I had this dream and I'm not the type of person that has dreams that mean things, but this one did. And it was very short. When I woke up, I had remembered that my grandmother said to me in my dream, I wish you loved yourself as much as I love you. And that just really, I started crying and I'm like, all right. You know, my grandmother had been dead for 25 years, but she was like, like, okay, okay, I'll go, you know, I'll do it for my grandmother. If I don't do it for myself, at least I'll do it for her. And um, so I went to my first OA meeting and it turned out to be so much worse than I even anticipated. It was in a church in this really small room. There were people, grim people sitting around the table they didn't explain what was going on. We were reading this book that was being passed around. And it was a story about this man who became sober from alcohol because he believed in God and a male God at that. And I uh, was so confused. Like, why are we reading about an alcoholic? And if there is a God, I'm sure he does not have a penis. This is just like not working for me. So I unfortunately did not, had not sat close to the door. So I had to wait for the whole meeting. And um, afterwards I just raced out of there. This woman ran up after me and she said, you know, you should try at least five other meetings before you decide whether OA is right for you. And I was like, yeah, fine. I'm never coming back. But then I had the second dream. And in that dream, I live in California and I was driving along the California coast. There's this highway one and it is a very scary highway in different parts. Like you are literally like on the edge of a freaking cliff. And so my car in my dream went off and I was hovering above like the crashing waves with all these rocks. And I knew that I had the power to move my car back on the road or let it fall down and I was going to die. I decided to move the car over and then I woke up and I'm like, all right, I have to try at least five other meetings. Um, so I did. And one of those meetings was this very meeting right here. It was a face-to-face -face meeting. It had only been around for about a month. And I didn't realize that, you know, secular meetings were a rarity. Um, I think there were only three face-to-face -face secular meetings in the whole galaxy at that time. And two were where I was and one was in San Francisco. So I was really lucky. And at this meeting back in the day, um, until a year and a half ago, we read Alternative Steps. And that made such a big difference to my recovery. And um, we got caught and we were delisted. I know more about O structure than I ever thought I would. Um, it was a horrible time, but 
I just want to, you know, and if you're not familiar with some of these steps, I just want to give you an example of one. And like one of the problems I had was with step three, which the OA one says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And our step said, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of the collective wisdom and resources of those who have searched before us. And that was really meaningful to me. It really meant that I could, you know, count on the fellowship for guidance and, you know, the resources of those who searched before us for me meant I will read outside literature. You know, those are other resources that are available. And, um, and if you want to know more about those, you can go to secularovereaders.org. Um, but I also had a really kind and loving uh, second. I've had two sponsors. Um, the first one was kind and loving too, but the second person I've worked with the most. And she um, is a pantheist, which I believe means that God is everywhere. And she just was very supportive of me and is very supportive of me being um, an atheist. And so she really helped me with the steps. Uh, so I don't believe in a higher power, but I do believe in the collective wisdom. And I believe that I have a best self that's inside of me than I can access when I'm not in the sugar. And if I have a hard time accessing that inner voice, I will write or meditate. And I believe it was that inner voice who was desperately nudging me with those dreams um, that got me into OA. I don't believe it was like spirits or higher power or whatever. I just believe that finally my inner voice was like, you are going to kill yourself if you don't get there. You know, it was like a last ditch effort on my, you know, inner self to save me. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And I have never had any other dreams like that. So it was just a rare, rare thing for me. Um, one of the things that I have issues with, um, you know, is like figuring out what does it mean to turn it over to God? And for me, I just try and let go of the issue. I think about how I'm not in control anymore and I'm not in control of any other situations. The only person I'm in control of is myself and I try and act accordingly. I've recently had a problem with a very old friend and, um, you know, the old Jenny would have been like in her face, like, what's going on? We've got to work this out. Like, what's happening? What's happening? Like, I just would have been like, Ugh! you know, and the new Jenny is just trying to be patient and um, trying to not make it all about her, you know, and it's like, just give my friend the space that she needs. And so I feel like, you know, I'm not only have I gotten the food out of my system, the sugar out of my system. I'm also like finding sanity, you know, with food and finding sanity for my, um, how I behave. And just, I've been in OA for five, na five years now, and I've lost at least 55 pounds. I did not weigh myself before I came into OA. And it's been a slow process. I've had That's to make, five more minutes. Okay. I've had to make, um, small changes and I've had to find the willingness to do them. The first thing I did was to cut out all recreational and fake sugar. And I lost quite a bit of weight just doing that. And then I went to having three reasonable meals and two snacks. And now I have just one reasonable meal. I mean, three reasonable meals and no snacks unless I have a long evening ahead of me. And then I'll have like a latte in the afternoon. Um, all of my physical ailments have pretty much cleared up. Um, 
And as I said before, like my sanity is just so much better and I'm not walking around in a food fog. And I really try and treat myself like I'm my own loving parent. And I really try and shut down that ugly trash talk um, because I spent a lot of time before this, like, oh, you're so fat. Oh my God. Like, why can't you do this? You're so weak willed. You know, you're such a loser. Like I just had like those tapes going on and now I can just say, you know, Hey, sweetie, it's okay. You know, I know you're having a hard time. I mean, and I do talk to myself like that internally. Um, and I have to set practical limits with myself sometimes, you know, like you've got to get rid of that granola. It's not, it's no longer a yellow food. It's moved into the, the red zone. It's really time to give that up. You've given it a good try. So I really try and um, take care of myself. And I feel like the things that have worked for me uh, for recovery, because I have had abstinence this entire five years, has been um, using the tools that we talk about at the beginning. I go to three meetings a week, two are secular and one is a regular meeting. I have a sponsor, we meet for an hour regularly. I have three great sponsees and I meet with them once a week for an hour. Um, I have an action plan, which is that I make sure that I have food I can eat in the house. I have a quick and yummy breakfast that is available that I can eat at any meal if I am feeling too burnt out to make my own, you know, make other food. I read literature. Um, I read the OA literature, but I really don't like it. I've got like major crosses through a lot of it. And, um, but I still think it's important to be in touch with what's going on in the program, but I supplement it with um, other books. And when I just finished working the steps again, and I had four 12 step books that I read and one of them was secular. There was one also, which is my favorite called the alternative 12 steps, which many of you might have. Um, the, a Woman's Way, and I can't remember this other one, but it's about spirituality, and then I read the OA 12 and 12, um, and it really helped me figure out how to work the steps. I really like using the OA 12 and 12 workbook because it makes me feel like I'm doing like the best I can to figure things out. Um, I really like writing, but I only do that like at the writing meeting or if I'm stuck. I don't meditate that often either, but I will if I'm stuck. And I exercise 30 minutes a day. I have these two dogs with the most cutest little brown eyes and I just can't say no to them. So that always makes me get up every morning and take them out. Um, and I do a lot of service. And that has been really important to me. I've had a lot of anger towards OA, like when we got delisted um, I felt that there's a lot of things that were unfair, you know, like one of the things is that they say, oh, tradition four is that it's up to group conscience to decide how you do things. Well, that's not true. It's up to these trustees who have like this whole set of bylaws. And um, so I've had to, you know, I really worked hard to help to work with others to create resources for secular people that are outside of OA, because I feel like we need them. I don't feel like as secular people, you know, OA covers everything that we need. And OA doesn't seem to me to be willing to open up to that. Um, I don't feel like acting as if is an answer for us. I don't feel like calling God good orderly direction is an answer. I feel like there's, you know, there are answers that are out there that are outside of OA. So I think my final advice, like for secular people is that you, you know, you need to come to secular meetings and um, we're really lucky because of Zoom, we have so many now, and I'm just hoping more people find out about them. 
And um, it is really important in addition to using OA resource, you know, books and resources to use outside resources. Cause I don't know, I found that at least for me, that has really helped with my recovery. And I feel like I've known so many other secular people where that has helped for them too. So anyway, thank you for listening to my share. And it's been really great to talk to my own group. Bye.